Broadcasting from the UNMC College of Nursing, get ready for RN Huddle, the podcast dedicated to bringing hot topics for and by nurses to the table. Well, hello everyone. This is Heidi Keeler, host of RN Huddle, coming to you from UNMC College of Nursing, Omaha, Nebraska. You know, as nurses, we are all very concerned with the coronavirus, now known as COVID-19, and how it's going to affect our patients and our facilities. And no matter what area of nursing you're in, this is definitely something that is of major concern and really going to harness all of your nursing skills. And so I thought for today's episode, what better than to gather some of our local experts here at UNMC in Nebraska Medicine to talk about what we've been doing here and how we can translate these skills over to your practice. So we've gathered together three experts, Beth Beam, Kaylin Knight, and Shanaz Benner. Now, Beth is an assistant professor here in the College of Nursing. She is the project director for the HEROES Project. And what that is, is that's an emergency preparedness program. And she has been doing this for years, preparing for just such a time as this. Kaylin is a nursing professional development specialist and return guest here at RN Huddle. And he has a biocontainment unit nursing specialist background. And then Shanaz is a clinical program coordinator with the biocontainment unit and the quarantine unit and works in our Nebraska Medicine ED. And so we're going to get from them a little bit about the HEROES program, how preparations for such a thing like this goes on uh, even when we're not thinking about it, and then what steps can we take to really mitigate what's going on and trying to protect those that we are caring for. And so, without further ado, let's hear from our experts. My name is Beth Beam. I'm an assistant professor at the UNMC College of Nursing. I'm also the project director of the HEROES Project. HEROES stands for Healthcare and Emergency Responder Organization Education Through Simulation. We do emergency preparedness education for health professions, students, and healthcare providers. So, um, we were reached out to by RN Huddle about talking a little bit about coronavirus. Um, HEROES is a grant at the UNMC College of Nursing that has been in existence now well over 10 years that works on emergency preparedness education across the state of Nebraska. What's cool about that is we get to work with hospitals as well as students from throughout the state. And it doesn't matter if they go to UNMC or not, we're able to interact with groups all over the place. And so we've been doing this kind of work Really kind of the grant was originally written after Hurricane Katrina and the realization that there was a lot of need for emergency preparedness education, particularly in an interprofessional way, because we're going to work as teams when these kind of bad things happen. And so went through 2005 with Hurricane Katrina. That was really the, the birth at Nebraska Medicine of the Nebraska Biocontainment Unit. So they became good friends of ours in the sense that it was a place for us to not only help them with simulation learning, but also a place for us to learn to develop media and, and be able to do some really good work with the grant. So we have essentially gone now, in that time that the grant has been open, things like H1N1 happened. That was kind of the inspiration for a video that we have on hospital infection control, personal protective equipment. And the other feature that the HEROES website has is the ability to 
download that mp4 file and so we're able to allow people to take the media and actually put it into their learning management systems and make sure that their staff have viewed it and they're ready to to provide clinical care so it's fun to watch not only the youtube statistics of people finding online but as well as the folks that um, reach in and download that material completely based on the cdc guidance and that currently actually is most of the suggested gear that we wear for coronavirus, actually. So the gown, gloves, they have added a face shield to that to protect your eyes, and then the N95 respirator. And so what we did actually just in the last couple of weeks was updated and added some really good media on the use of the respirator, specifically talking about where the strap should be on your head, the importance of hand hygiene both before and after you put it on, and before and after you take it off, um, just to make sure that um, you're maintaining your safety and, and doing those tasks and skills. And so that has included both a video as well as kind of an infographic for people to literally kind of post um, outside rooms if it's helpful to help people. Remember things like seal checking. The N95 respirators that are oftentimes worn for patient care have to be both fit tested, which means that you find out that that particular style of mask fits your face. But then every time you put it on, you want to make sure that it seals to your face well and make sure that you're not just wearing the mask, but you're actually breathing through it. In order to breathe through it, you need to make sure it's sealed to your skin. And so just making sure that people perform that seal check. One of the things I think that's been really apparent to me in the last few weeks is that every nurse is going to be asked, what should we do for coronavirus? And it's important to have that answer for people. And I think a few things that kind of keep popping out in the CDC guidance and other places, one is that masks should really be reserved for people that aren't feeling well. Another is just the importance of hand hygiene, making sure that people are doing it, doing it well, teaching your children to do it well, making sure your parents are doing it well, you know, really reaching out to your community or the different groups you work with, um, church groups and things like that to make sure they understand those components. Cough etiquette, and I know the um, popularity of the kind of elbow bump and so forth, all of these things that kind of keep us from touching one another. The importance of really disinfecting surfaces, particularly surfaces in your home or other places that people touch a lot. Um, oftentimes we think about the kind of dirty things in our homes, but we don't think about all those things that everybody handles every day. And that's kind of where our germs get spread. And then I think the final thing is just this is a good time to, to think about preparedness in general anytime we have these big situations. So making sure you have enough bottled water at home. It's important to make sure that you have enough batteries. You have all those things in your home just to be ready. So I think. It's a good time to think about all of those components um, and just make sure that your preparedness plans are in order and that your family, your friends, and, and your community is thinking that way as well. Beyond just what we do with HEROES, and like I said, we reach out to hospitals all throughout the state as well as learning institutions all throughout the state. I reached out to Kaylin and Shanaz to talk a little bit about what's been going on in the emergency room to get ready for coronavirus. and. I think there's been a lot of media in the news about UNMC and about the quarantine center and the Nebraska Biocontainment Unit, but the emergency room in our hospital also is a part of that team that helps to make sure Nebraska medicine is ready. And so I think it's important to kind of 
shine a light on like the um, efforts that they've been making to make sure that everybody's both prepared and I think confident to take care of patients. Thank you, Beth. A little background on myself. My name is Kaylin Knight. I'm a nursing professional development specialist for the emergency department of Nebraska Medicine. And I also have a background working for the Nebraska Biocontainment Unit. And my name is Shanaz Benner. I'm still working in the ED once a week, and I also am the clinical program coordinator for our biocontainment unit, along with our national quarantine unit. To kind of piggyback on what Beth was saying, I'd say one of the most important things is making sure that you're personally prepared for situations like this. So to start reaching out to your hospital leadership team to see what resources they have available to you, and also reaching out to reputable um, organizations such as the Center for Disease and Control as well as the World Health Organization to see what information they have available for nurses who are going to be caring for these patients at the bedside. Aside from the research standpoint, it's just making sure you as a nurse are ready in your own department. So making sure you're fit tested if this is an airborne disease, making sure you know your department guidelines and what's recommended with that. And in addition to the resources, knowing what you have to do if a patient shows up to your department um, showing symptoms of an infectious disease. So the steps, especially for emergency departments, is just to identify, isolate, and then inform. So identifying is the same as the triage process. The patient walks in the front door, look at them, and what do you see? Is this patient fatigued? Do they have a runny nose? Do they have a cough? Do they look uncomfortable? That's the first step, just identifying, okay, this person looks sick. The next step is identifying their history. So knowing, okay, did they travel recently? Have they been to a hotspot? Have they been in contact with anybody with a known diagnosis of an infectious disease? So you want to make sure you give them a mask, give them hand hygiene, um, give them gloves if necessary and then get that thorough history so you know what you're dealing with. Another thing that's often kind of forgotten or put on the back burner with INFORM is keep your patient informed. This is gonna be a scary experience for them, having people in PPE, having them immediately brought back to a room. A lot happens very quickly with very minimal explanation. So just getting them back to a room, letting them know, staff will be with you shortly to keep you informed on everything that's going on, and then just making sure they're informed through their entire stay with the situation. Once you've identified that a patient is at risk of an infectious disease, you want to isolate them. So you want to follow your department's guidelines on how they want to do this. But if it's an airborne disease, you want to make sure you're getting them to an airborne um, isolation room. If it's not airborne, just getting them isolated in any room away from the public. A lot of the things that departments learn in these processes is you want to try to isolate an individual as quickly as possible. But in an emergency setting especially, you can never anticipate these patients coming. So you may not be as prepared as you thought. So you may have to shift around the department if you need a negative airflow room and one's not available. So what is your step going to be to isolate that patient while you wait for the actual isolation room to be ready? Those are things that are really important for departments to think through. Once you are able to isolate a patient, informing, that is the key, making sure that your um, emergency room physicians know the situation, give them a solid S-bar on what's going on, contacting infection control if needed, contacting the infectious disease physicians if needed, or if you're in an organization with a quarantine unit or a biocontainment unit, notifying those people that leadership team of the situation that's occurring. And to add on to that, so some of the resources that have with Nebraska Medicine UNMC is to making sure that we have the coronavirus COVID-2019 resources available to our staff members to follow the guidelines and policies and procedures that we have into place to care for these individuals. We also want to make sure that, to elaborate, hand washing, hand hygiene, just to identify, isolate, and inform. You also want to make sure that you have the proper resources and equipment available, making sure that you have the equipment needed for the trained individuals that would be caring for these individuals, because if they are not trained to care for these, they're putting themselves at risk along with 
the population and your team members at risk as well. Another thing that we've identified in trying to prepare for individuals coming into the ED, because the ED is a very busy area within the hospital, it is a front line part of the hospital, is trying to identify additional sites that they can do these testing procedures in because the testing takes approximately six or more hours to complete. So having those areas identified to take the burden off of the emergency department because there's only so many rooms within the our emergency department that has negative airflow capabilities. So if you have more than three to four individuals coming in and then putting the population at risk, that's not helping the situation any better. So having those additional sites nearby the emergency room would be ideal. And then also, if they do become positive, they can work with Douglas County and state public health officials to coordinate care moving forward. If they are negative, then they would resume their regular daily activities. But they anticipate about 80 to 90% of the affected population will have a mild illness and will not require hospitalization. That certainly makes this a lot different experience, for example, than what we experienced with Ebola, right? I mean, where we knew that people were going to get, at the very least, very ill, and beyond that, you know, potentially critically ill. And in this case, there's a good portion of the people affected by by COVID-19 that aren't necessarily going to get horribly ill. So as far as other preparations, you talked about having your equipment ready and a lot of those kind of practical pieces, make sure everybody's ready. How are you addressing, perhaps, I think the big F word is fear. How do you, how do you address that with your professionals in the emergency department? The key is really just staying informed. Everyone who works in healthcare, especially at this time, you're going to get phone calls from people you don't know, phone calls from family and friends you haven't talked to in a while. You want to make sure you have the answers available. So the first step is checking to see your organization, because a lot of organizations develop frequently asked questions lists that are available just on your um, organization's website. So familiarizing yourself with those answers so that it really comes off like a script. When people ask the question, you already know the answer, you reviewed the answer, and your organization approves that answer. So just staying informed on those types of things. And then also with addressing fear is don't always believe everything that you hear off of national news. Um, Sometimes it gets exaggerated a little bit, but you also want to make sure that you are following up with the proper resources that you have, whether it's with your hospital the CDC, the World Health Organization, and other resources that may have uh, the more up-to-date pertinent information. What are some of the things, are there any things that you guys are doing as, as nurses, perhaps at home, to make sure that you're able to, to respond? So some of the things that I've been doing at home is just making sure I'm reiterating hand hygiene and hand washing. Uh, disinfecting, covering your mouth or your nose when you're coughing or sneezing to prevent that spread of infection, and just making sure that you're just being cleanly and like clean. You don't want to continue to spread infection within your home and just making sure that your family members are informed. And I have two little kids at home, and if I see them doing things, I quickly take them to wash their hands and try to prevent any other spread, but we all know that that's hard with kids. And we're all kind of, we've all kind of been on that roller coaster for a while now with the winter time and with flu season and all these other components. So really just kind of continuing that process and encouraging people to continue that process of good awareness of your 
not feeling well and not coming to work and things like that. I think reminding people, too, that we may be working from home is a good idea, um, possibly, as we think through these things as well. Beth, do you have anything to add to that? I think just, you know, we historically, when you think about all of the different things that have gone on, like I said, even as as long as our Heroes Project has been around, we've had H1N1, we've had a lot of preparation for Ebola, obviously, a lot of preparation for MERS. Back in 2005, we were very attentive to SARS, and so that was kind of the big disease, disease du jour of the time, and it actually has a lot of similarities to coronavirus. And so I think maybe just this attention in emergency departments across the country that this kind of febrile illness component needs to be something that we, we address differently maybe than we did five or ten years ago. Thinking more about kind of always having this stance of identify, isolate, and inform to make sure that we're being attentive to the new bugs in the world as we kind of think about this new world we live in where antibiotics are more resistant and our treatments kind of aren't as, there isn't as many of them as there used to be. And so I think just thinking about our need to give people good supportive care and, and kind of work through the process. I think the problem with all of these things is that you made reference to it earlier, Shanaz, is just the attention from the media and they sometimes can, can build a lot of fear. And I think if we can message well as nurses that this is kind of a certainly a different situation than Ebola was, more similar probably to what we saw with H1N1, I think it's reassuring that we've seen fewer cases in children and things like that. We have to be really aware that that our chronically ill family members and, and such, those are the people that we want to kind of be concerned about. And as we see the, you know, at least starting to see some, some deaths in areas in the states, we want to make sure that people are starting to be more aware of, of um, the different components of this particular outbreak and what we need to be watching for. Also, an additional resource uh, is the National Ebola Training and Education Center, uh, NETEC.org, and that has a lot of resources on there with personal protective equipment, also skills training for many different things in those in the website as well. Also, there's up-to-date information on coronavirus, COVID-19, and other specifications in there that are also useful resources. As I noted earlier, like I said, we have those step-by-step basic CDC guidelines that really talk about how to don and doff your personal protective equipment safely. Those are resources that we see every day. More and more people are downloading, and you're welcome to reach out for those from the HEROES website. Um, And you're welcome to reach out to that website. Like I said, there are videos on that. There are videos on the N95 filtering face piece respirator, as well as um, a multitude of other emergency preparedness videos as well, which you may find helpful as you think about preparedness for your hospitals. A number of other things that we train on throughout the year, things like triage as well as hospital decontamination. Find a lot of good material on our website to increase your preparedness, awareness of kind of the risks and things that you need to be aware of for emergency departments, really both Throughout Nebraska, which has always been the call of the HEROES grant, but also nationally, we find that um, people do find our media throughout the country. Well, thank you so much to our three experts. This has definitely been a sobering conversation, but really gets us to think about how, even though technology may be advanced and we are just on the cutting edge of healthcare, sometimes it's the basics 
of epidemiology and infection control that really makes the biggest difference of all. And you know, nurses are on the forefront of that every day. We are well equipped and well educated to be a voice for infection control and to really make a difference in helping not just our patients, but our communities with how to show them what they can do to help with controlling the outbreak. So a very sobering episode today. Thank you so much for everyone who has participated with me today and in listening to our experts. Hope to see you back here next time on RN Huddle. Thank you for listening to RN Huddle. To stay connected, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at UNMC CNE or check out unmc.edu slash CNE for more program information.